need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. Advent hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. This coming Sunday, if your church follows the one-year lectionary, you're going to hear the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, where Jesus himself predicts his own second coming, and he talks about signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and of its waves. It sounds pretty ominous. So how do Christians look forward to Christ's second coming with eagerness and anticipation. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Tuesday afternoon, the 29th of November. It's time to look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, to the second Sunday of Advent. Joining us to do so, Pastor Peter Bender, pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, welcome back. Good to be with you, Todd, as always. For kind of an overview of this coming Sunday, how do the propers for this Sunday actually do the job, not just call us to be prepared, but actually prepare us for the coming of Christ? Right. The propers in the one-year series in particular for all of the Sundays, I think, are born out of generations of meditation and reflection upon the scriptures and then how the church has prepared for a season in general and a Sunday specifically. So here you have the second Sunday in Advent, the gospel of which certainly focuses upon the second coming of our Lord. But when we introduced our theme of Advent in general, we talked about the daily coming of our Lord in his preached word and in his sacraments. And so the propers highlight that. We have the intro at announcing, say to the daughters of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard. Then you have in the gradual for the day, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. So you, you notice that both the intro and the gradual are emphasizing the present proclamation of God's word through which the Lord then comes to us. And that is also picked up on in the collect for the day. Uh, Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, that by his coming 
we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. And that's the coming, not in the future, but the coming now that prepares us to serve him. So the propers introduce that theme, and then they also do what they're calling for. So in the intro, it restore us, O God, turn again, O God, look down from heaven, let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made. So the invocation, if you will, in the intro for the day is the prayer of the broken and the contrite heart that eagerly anticipates the Lord coming. It's part of our vigil and so forth. So this second Sunday in Advent that focuses so strongly on the second coming of Christ focuses just as strongly upon the daily coming in his word particularly and also in his sacraments. And in this way, we are prepared to rightly meet him, to stand upright when he comes in the name of the Lord. So you had mentioned the collect. Just go into a little more detail of what that entire prayer is and how it brings us Christ. I had mentioned in our last session introducing Advent how three of the four collects are addressed to God the Son during the four Sundays in Advent. This is the one collect that is addressed to the Father. So stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, that by his coming we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. So you have the phrase, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son. You know, stir up our hearts to make ready the way of your only begotten Son. And I think when you hear just that much of it, okay, you're thinking about the Lord's second coming, but then the next clause says that by his coming, we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. That by his coming, that refers to his coming now. That by his coming now in his word, in his sacraments, we're enabled to serve him with pure minds, with minds that are cleansed of sin, whose affections are directed properly upon the Lord, a mind that is sanctified by the word of God. So to make ready the way of your only begotten son happens when God does this in us through his word, that by his coming emphasizes the need for Jesus daily coming to us in his word and sacrament for the preservation of our faith so that we are able to then meet him when he comes again in glory. And it's the preservation of our faith and life in Christ is what he does through his word as the last clause says, that we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. It emphasizes that by his daily coming, we are enabled to serve the Lord with purified minds that think and do as the Lord would call us. What is the intro for this coming Sunday? The intro is taken from um, passages from Isaiah, chapter 62, verse 11, chapter 30, verses 30 and 29. And then Psalm 80, verses 1, 3, 14, and 17. I always find it interesting to see how the introits are drawn from not just one psalm, but various portions of the scriptures, not just the Psalter, but in this case, also the prophets. The theme in the Latin for this Sunday is populus Zion, which would be translated the people of Zion. Now, in the introit, that comes off as the daughter of Zion. So say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. 
The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard, and you shall have gladness of heart. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the Son of Man, whom you have made strong for yourself. Now, if we pull apart that intro it, say to the daughter of Zion, this is what is to be preached to the church. Namely, behold, look, your salvation comes. And here, Jesus is the personification of our salvation. So, behold, your salvation comes is about a person. It is as if it were saying, behold, your Jesus comes, your Savior comes, your Lord comes. That is the essence of the church's proclamation of law and gospel, the call to repentance and faith in Christ, is the announcement that the Lord Jesus is coming. He is coming in his word, and he is coming in the end of time to judge the living and the dead. So, behold, your salvation comes. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard. So, here it emphasizes his coming through his word, but it's the Lord that will cause this. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard. The majesty, the glory of God's voice, that is a great way of describing how the gospel proclaims the love of God for all of humanity, which is an accent and a theme for this second Sunday in Advent. God's love for all of humanity proclaimed in the gospel. Then the intro kind of turns to these petitions, give ear, restore, turn again. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. I find it very interesting. Jesus talks about my sheep hear my voice. Well, here the sheep are actually petitioning the shepherd to hear their voice. So give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim shine forth. That enthronement upon the cherubim should bring to mind the two cherubim that faced the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, the location of God's mercy. So the shepherd of Israel sits enthroned upon the cherubim there at the mercy seat. So that indicates that the shepherd our Lord, the Messiah, to whom we are praying in the intro, is the one who sits upon the very seat of God's mercy. For indeed, the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, and by that he made atonement for sin. So the strong allusion and connection to the tabernacle, the place of God's saving presence in the Old Testament, the center of which was the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat where the blood and water of atonement was spilled, that is where the shepherd of Israel, our Lord, is seated. So give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who sit enthroned upon the cherubim. Restore us, O God. Now here, that petition is addressed to God the Father, but on the basis of what the man at God's right hand has done. So restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. We see the face of the Father in the person of Jesus who sits upon the throne of the mercy seat, who has made atonement for sin, who is our righteousness. Turn again, O God of hosts. So here we want him not to turn away from us, but to turn himself to us. Look down 
from heaven and see. So the people of God, the people of Zion, ask for repentance to be granted to them, for a clean and a true heart that forsakes self and turns to him and appeals to his mercy, the one who sits upon the mercy seat. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand. Again, speaking to the Father in this intro, it, the man at the Father's right hand is Christ, the Son of Man, whom you have made strong for yourself. So what a wonderful intro. It, he's the one that causes his word to be heard. The Father has situated his Son, the man of his right hand, the Son of Man, there upon the mercy seat, who is the source of then salvation and life, and we're bidding him to speak his word to us that will prepare us for his second coming. And so I think this is lovely. You know, the intro, it comes right after the confession of sins and the absolution. And then in the intro, it, we're praying to be preserved in contrition and faith, a life in this side of the grave, on this side of Christ's second coming, which is ever characterized by daily contrition and repentance and a desire, a yearning to hear again his word, to be restored, to have God the Father turn to us and to shine his face upon us, all for Jesus' sake, because of the man at his right hand. So it's a lovely intro that really sets up the themes for all three readings for the day. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. When we return, the Alleluia verse will give us a little preview of that gospel reading. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org. Job saw the city as a wasteland, as if devoid of God, witnessing injustice to the poor by the corrupt, lawlessness of criminals, trafficking of children, blatant immorality, thinking God could not see wicked deeds done in the dark of night. Yet God never abandoned Job, nor his city, groaning for mercy. God is working through the living Redeemer, hands etched with salvation, pointing to the resurrection to come. Join us at lcms.org slash citymission to seek peace and shine the light in the city. For sinners only. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now.
That's stanza two of Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Peter Bender, director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, is our guest. So we come now to the Alleluia verse where we get a little preview from Luke's Gospel. You'll find this quite often in the one-year lectionary, that the Alleluia verse is often a quotation directly from the Gospel for the day. And that's fitting for a number of reasons. First of all, in the Alleluia verse for the day, being quoting from the gospel, it sets forth the theme of the day. So the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That's Luke chapter 21, verses 26b and 27. The gospel for the day is Luke 21, 25 through 36. So we stand in anticipation of the words of Jesus from Luke 21, and we hear that framed with, Alleluia, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So then the gospel is read, and you will see that verse embedded as a climax to Jesus' catechesis in Luke 21. And Luke 21, 25 through 36 is the appointed gospel. Its setting is Holy Week. The beginning of Luke 21, Jesus and the disciples are coming out of the temple complex, and the disciples are wanting Jesus to comment on and marvel at the beauty and adornment of the temple structure. Then he talks about it, that there will come a time when not one stone will rest upon another, and all will be destroyed, and he speaks about his coming. And so then they ask him, you know, when will these things happen to the temple, and then what will be the sign of your coming? And this portion of chapter 21 in Luke's gospel is answering the second question, what will be the sign of your coming? And so Jesus says, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, And raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he directs that directly to the disciples, to us as Christians. The gospel goes on. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Now let's take that apart a little bit, Todd. 
there will be signs. Signs are things you can see or things you can experience. So signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, the distress of nations because of the roaring of the sea and waves, brings fear to those who witness those signs. It brings fear to those particularly who do not believe in the promises of God. We as Christians are not to fear when we see these signs. They are to be reminders to us that the Lord's word is true and the Lord himself is at hand. So he says people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. I think we see so much of this fear in the world today. Global climate change, things happening. It is as if the world and her citizenry are believing that we are all alone, that there is no God, there is no creator, there is no order, there is no design, there is no purpose for the things which we are experiencing in the world. These are literal signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, roaring of the sea and waves. And people's hearts will be fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. But not the Christian. Not the Christian. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then when this all takes place in its fullness, then Christ will return. The Son of Man will come in his glory. So the very shaking of the creation will cause distress among those who do not believe in Christ it will cause distress and great fear upon those who do not rest their hope in his word. And so, as I said, you can think of global climate change hysteria that's going on in the world today, and you see that kind of fear and foreboding, a lack of peace and contentment and certainty and confidence. So all of this is a prelude for the coming of the Son of Man. But for the Christian and for the church, these things are the cause of rejoicing and call us to straighten up and raise our heads because our redemption or our savior, our Jesus is drawing near. And instead of being a source of fear for us as it is for the world, such signs should be a source of inestimable comfort because in the signs of the prelude to Christ's coming, we are given the proof that the Lord's word is true, not to scare us, but to anchor our confidence in his promises. So the object of faith is in the promises of God's word. The source of our hope and our confidence for the future at Christ's second coming, when we will be judged to be righteous for Jesus' sake, when we will rise from the dead, from mortality to immortality, from corruption to incorruption, that hope comes from no other source than the word of God, which by these signs is shown to be faithful and true. Now, I love in all of the Gospels, these end time catechesis of Jesus often use the example of the fig tree. So look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. Now, I make a comment like this in Bible class quite often. When I think of the trees changing, my general reference is to the changing of the color of deciduous trees in the fall, where they turn color and then the leaves fall out and it looks like death. But Jesus' example here is not the change of the fig tree, which is a prelude to death, but rather the budding of the new leaf, which is a prelude to 
life and the warmth of summer. So the parable of the fig tree is a parable about the resurrection that Christ's second coming will bring. Then he goes on to say, so also when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Because when Jesus comes again in glory, there will be resurrection and new life for all eternity. And then he adds this promise, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all this has taken place. And I take this to be echoing Jesus' words to Peter and the disciples earlier on in Matthew's gospel, where he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So this generation refers to the church of Christ and his faithful believers and echoing Jesus' promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So he ends by saying, you know, God's word is faithful and true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Therefore, watch yourselves. And that's a warning about the weakness of the sinful flesh, the unbelieving nature of the old man that is still a part of us. Lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Stay awake at all times. It will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But you, Christian, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So watch is the language of Christian vigil, where we are called to wait for the Lord's coming by prayer and by attentiveness to his word. Hearts weighed down, great expression. The heart is the seat of faith, faith in Christ or faith in something else. So the heart is the seat of faith in Christ. We are called to rely upon him upon a word and upon a promise that is greater than ourself or anything that this world has to offer. So he says, stay awake. The strength of faith to escape comes from the gift of our Lord's faithful word. There you go back to the intro for the day that speaks about he will cause his majestic voice to be heard. The strength of faith to escape comes from that faithful word. And we stand before the Son of Man as Christians when he comes again in glory without fear, clothed with his righteousness. And that is our confidence. While the world is terrified, we remain anchored in the comfort that comes from Christ our righteousness. That echoes also language that we began with in Advent 1. We're looking forward to the second Sunday in Advent according to the one-year lectionary. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. Our guest is Pastor Peter Bender. Pastor Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. He's also a graduate of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Learn more about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We'll be getting into the Old Testament reading in Malachi next. Do you 
need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. The Faith, Once for All, Delivered to the Saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Athanasius, Bishop of Alexandria in the 4th century, was known for boldly confessing Jesus Christ as both true God and true man. This is what we do at St. Athanasius Lutheran Church in Vienna, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., continuing this historic confession of our Savior, who died for us and now comes to us in word and sacrament. If you live in the D.C. area or just visiting, come join us. For more information, find us on the web, St. Athanasius Lutheran Church. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Public Radio Choir with stanza three of the Advent hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, forward to Advent 2, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Peter Bender. Pastor Bender, the Old Testament reading that comes from Malachi, it has some ominous warning and some joyful promise. This is the last chapter of the Old Testament, isn't it? Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness 
shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. So you're right, Todd, it has both an ominous character to it, but also a character of supreme joy for the Christian. You know, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That is language of judgment. Behold means look. Although we live by our ears and not by sight as Christians, nevertheless, it is by our ears that are attentive to God's word and by which we interpret what's happening in the world around us that we see, that we behold the truth about the world in which we live, about the judgment of God, and about our deliverance through this sweet name for Jesus, the Son of Righteousness. S-U-N, he is the Son, and he's also the S-O-N, the Son of Righteousness. And he shines with the brilliance of that forgiving grace that his atonement accomplished. And he shall rise in his second coming with healing in his wings. And that speaks of the deliverance that we have in Christ. So I just love this particular image of Jesus as the son of righteousness. Judgment and hell for the unbelievers, to be sure, but it is contrasted with hope and comfort for Christians. And notice how in all of the readings for today, and it's echoed in the propers of the intro as well and the gradual that's coming up, how it is a call to, to look up, to stand upright, to anticipate the Lord's coming. So to fear the name of the Lord in this Old Testament reading is to believe in him with repentant faith and that eager expectation, so much characteristic of Advent in general and the second Sunday in Advent in particular. So the son of righteousness with healing in his wings, a beautiful picture of our Lord who is our righteousness, who comes again in his glory for us and who in his coming will finally bring the healing that we so eagerly look forward to. So you think about this twofold coming, his second coming we're preparing for, and his daily coming. In his coming daily to us in his word, he comforts, he strengthens, he enlivens faith, he increases our hope, he quiets our fears, so that in his second coming we are able to stand without fear in the day of judgment, because in that day of judgment we are going to hear the same wonderful judgment that he has proclaimed to us in his word throughout our lifetime, from the time of our baptism till our natural death, or from the time of our baptism until if the Lord comes very soon uh, when we finally see him in glory. So the result of the Lord's coming, I love this image too, especially having grown up on the farm and raised calves for show, the joy of calves that go forth leaping from their stalls. I can remember seeing this in the springtime, calves heifers in the barn, in the shed, kind of cooped up, and then they're let loose out in the pasture in the spring, and they literally leap and kick their heels for joy. That's the image of the Christian who just can't wait 
for the Son of Righteousness to arise with healing in his wings. But when he does, that is what we will all be doing, you know, leaping like calves in the joy of spring and new birth. So all our enemies, sin, death, and Satan, including the enemies, the earthly enemies of the faith, will be trampled under our feet. At our Lord's second coming, there will finally be vindication for every way in which Christians have been maligned, slandered, persecuted, and martyred. And we'll trample all of those enemies under our feet because we have been shod with the sandals of the Redeemer, the seed of the woman who crushed the serpent's head. Elijah, the reference to Elijah in the Malachi here, uh, will anticipate then the third and the fourth Sundays in Advent, where John the Baptist becomes a central figure. So Elijah's coming is a reference to John the Baptist, the final Old Testament prophet who will prepare for the ministry of Jesus. And that ministry of repentance is spoken of in this last section from Malachi, turning the hearts of the fathers to their children. It's something that Zechariah in his wonderful Benedictus canticle also quotes, you know, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. And it's really a quite an expression that's worthy of a lot of meditation. Where there's impenitence and unbelief, there's only self-centeredness. A man thinks only of himself. A child thinks only of herself. But where there is contrition and repentance, the believer, the fathers are turned to their children, to their children's welfare spiritually, to bringing them up in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. And the children listen to their fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their fathers in the faith who have passed on the faith to us. So there's it's a wonderful description of the contrast between impenitence and unbelief characterized by self-centeredness and repentance and faith characterized by selflessness and being concerned about the interests of others. So that's the Old Testament reading, and you can see how it really ties in and buttresses the language of Jesus in his catechesis to the disciples concerning his second coming. What is the gradual, this one drawn, a few verses from Psalm 50? Yeah, Psalm 50, 2 through 3 and verse 5, Out of Zion the perfection of beauty God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silence. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That's it. But it's packed with meaning. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Christ is the perfection of beauty. And in our baptism and in the ongoing reception of his word and sacrament, he shares that beauty with us. So out of Zion, out of the church, the perfection of beauty, Christ, shines forth, and we are drawn in, in the mystical union, to share in that beauty, which is Christ's. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. There's that reference again that we had already in the intro for the day and in the collect for the day. He does not keep silence. Our God comes through his word. Christ comes by his word. He does not remain silent, but speaks the word that gives life, and he's the one that causes this. And so the image of the preacher, and we'll hear this coming up later in Advent, but the image of the preacher cannot help but preach Christ and his forgiving 
righteousness. So when the preacher preaches, the sun of righteousness is arising and the countenance of the Lord, the face of the Lord, the glory of the Lord is shining forth upon the congregation. Who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. So this is so strong for Advent in general and this Sunday in particular, where the Lord's ministry of the word to us is a ministry to save us because what that ministry of the word does is create contrition and repentance, the faith that then receives the forgiving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his perfect beauty, and basks in the glory of his absolution. So the gradual is a wonderful then transition from the Old Testament into the epistle for the day, which quotes so many Old Testament references. And we'll get into that epistle in Romans 15 with Pastor Peter Bender as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary next. Thank you for almost six and a half million downloads so far this year. Please help us reach more listeners in 2023 by making a year-end tax-deductible gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military.
the final stanza of the Advent hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Peter Bender. I'm Todd Wilkin. Happy 247th birthday yesterday to the U.S. Navy Chaplain Corps. Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplains deliver word and sacrament ministry to our military personnel and their families. For more information on their service, visit lcms.org slash forces LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. Peter, you mentioned before the break the epistle reading from Romans 15. Take us in. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Now, I want to pause here in the reading of the epistle, Todd, to highlight a couple of things that then will be buttressed in the Old Testament citations that follow. Paul is writing in Romans 15 to a congregation made up of Jew and Gentile. And when he speaks about living in harmony with one another, the harmony between Jew and Gentile Christian, which are all one in Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, it also speaks of how in the Christian congregation, even if we're of the same ethnic background, what binds us together is this forgiving righteousness of God in Christ. That's what we share in common in the communion of saints. In these opening verses of Romans 15, 4 through 13, we see how the scriptures are referred to and their purpose. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. He's talking about the the writings of the sacred scriptures of the Old Testament, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, the hope of salvation, the hope of Christ's second coming. And then he says, setting up these passages that are quoted from the Old Testament, I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So what these passages all do is highlight how the Old Testament church and the Old Testament witness for the gospel was not for Jew only, but for the Jew for the sake of the Gentile. So as it is written, now I'll continue, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name, Second Samuel 22, Psalm 18. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, Deuteronomy 32:43. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him, Psalm 117, verse 1. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles glory, Isaiah 11, verse 10. 
Now, before concluding the epistle, let's draw a few things on this. The first passage cited from 2 Samuel 22, that was a part of David's last words at the end of his life. And then from Psalm 18, verse 49, also a psalm of David, but a psalm that he prayed at the beginning of his reign as he was delivered by the Lord from the hands of Saul, who wanted to kill him. So David quotes the same words in both locations. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. The second citation, Deuteronomy 32, is from Moses' last words to the children of Israel before they are going to be led by Joshua into the promised land and before he is taken by the Lord. And in that passage, he articulates why the Lord chose the children of Israel and why he was faithful to them. It was that salvation might also be brought to the nations, to the Gentiles. The next passage is from Psalm 117, verse 1, the shortest psalm in the entire Psalter. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. It's an invitation and a call to faith to all people of every tribe uh, and nation on earth to become the populous Zion, the people of Zion, the church, the people of Christ. And the final passage cited is from Isaiah 11. The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So the lordship of Christ will extend from Jesse, David's father, to the Gentiles, who will place their hope and confidence in Christ, the son of David. So those passages are not just arbitrarily chosen, but you've got David bearing witness, Moses bearing witness, the entire Psalter bearing witness, Isaiah bearing witness, that the call of the children of Israel in the gospel given to the fathers was a call for them for the sake of all nations. And so then the epistle concludes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. That's how the epistle ends. So the purpose of the scriptures is to give us faith in Christ and the blessed hope of salvation in Jesus, uh, so that we're not afraid when he comes again in glory. And the purpose of Jesus coming to us through the proclamation of his word is to bind us together in his forgiving righteousness. It is for the salvation of the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. And all of the Old Testament passages breathe with this evangelistic fervor and character of God's love and earnest desire that all the nations would come to know and rejoice in his love. So notice how even though there's such a strong emphasis on the fear that so many will have those who do not know Christ, when he comes again in glory and when they see the signs as the creation is shook, for us, for the Christian, our faith and our hope and confidence and comfort rests upon the sacred scriptures and their testimony to us. And look at how people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and those who have gone before us like David were encouraged and comforted by the promises of old, which we continue to cling to today for our security and for our consolation. How would you summarize this coming Sunday in terms of law and gospel? In terms of law, our malady to which the law must be addressed, it's fourfold. Number one, we so easily face the signs of our Lord's second coming with fear. 
And Christians are not called to be afraid, to be terrorized when we see the signs, but rather to be encouraged and to rejoice. Number two, we're tempted to be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. As Jesus says in the gospel, whereby we doubt the Lord's promises and find our comfort outside of his grace in the things of this world or in ourselves or the things that appeal to our flesh. Number three, we falsely think that Christ's second coming is to condemn us rather than to save us and to usher us into the fullness of our redemption. And number four, we don't want to wait. We're impatient. We don't want to watch. We don't want to pray. But that's what Advent is about because that's what all of the Christian life is like on this side of the resurrection and our Lord's second coming. So we don't want to wait. We don't want to pray. We don't want to watch. We don't want to hear the word, to study, to meditate upon the scriptures. We want to do, to do, to do, to do, to find our security in ourselves or in holding on to the pleasures and comforts of this life. That's our malady to which the law must be addressed. But the unique gospel for the second Sunday in Advent is this. And I'll give five points. Number one, the signs which are to announce Christ's imminent return encourage us to see how faithful and true God's word is. You know, so often we'd like to see, well, we're actually allowed to see in the signs that are a prelude to his second coming. And that is of comfort. Number two, Christ's word revives our hearts. Christ's words turn us from self-reliance to reliance upon him. And that's good news that our sufficiency is in the word. Number three, Christ's word forgives sin now and gives us the sure and certain promise of healing from all our ills and corruption of sin and evil in the resurrection on the last day. So Christ's word forgives sin now. It declares, if you will, Todd, the judgment of God now, that if we hear that judgment now, we need not fear the judgment at his second coming, for he will proclaim that which we have always been hearing. Number four, Christ's promises are the fountain of confident faith and joyful hope and comfort. And so the more distressed we are, the more we have Jesus' word to rely upon. And that's how we ought to be directed during the second Sunday in Advent for the sake of our entire earthly existence. The more we're distressed, the more we're troubled, the more we're assaulted by persecution and suffering, the more there is terror in the world and uncertainty, the more we need Christ's faithful and sure promises. And number five, Christ comes again in glory, not to damn you, but to complete the work of redemption in the resurrection to eternal life with Christ, the son of righteousness who comes with healing in his wings. He does not come to damn. He comes to bring about the fulfillment of our redemption. We still struggle with sin, but when he comes again in glory, then the mortal will put on immortality and the corruption will put on incorruption. And then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory once and for all. Pastor Peter Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and he's director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, thank you. Thank you, Todd. 
Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss how to listen to a sermon with Pastor David Peterson. We'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on the wedding at Cana and its media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.